All right, everybody, welcome. Jack of No Trades, Movies Edition. We're super excited to be back with you. Tay, what's up, man? Not much, man. I'm a little late. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my tardiness, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking dropped the ball. And we got the one and only Bilmo. What's up, dude? What's up, man? So excited to be back. I'm ready to talk some, some new flicks. Dude, this is like your Super Bowl, man, right now. The Oscars. The big Feel, one. Feels like it. I mean, you know, I this is kind of the, you know, after the Super Bowl, this is really what I'm looking forward to, um, you know, next thing. You know, it's nice. It's only a few weeks after the Super Bowl, but it's a nice little thing to look forward to. Absolutely. Um, it's always interesting to see what they put together. So we're going to get to the Oscars. We're going to talk about them, everybody. Don't worry. We're going to cover it all. But first, we got some pressing movies that we have to talk about, some kind of off-the-radar type things, some bigger pieces, stuff you guys should all go see, all right? So we're going to dive right into it, and we're going to talk about the one and only triumphant return of M. Night Shyamalan, bitches. He's back, and he brought us <laughs> Split. What is up? Guys, what did you guys think of Split? I loved it. I loved it. I had a big toothy grin on my face the whole time I was watching that movie. I loved every second of it. I thought it was fantastic. Shyamalan is back. So I got the f- – Morris, you gave me the big you got to go see this movie. Dude, yeah, I, I you did. nailed it. And I, and I have to echo just what Tay was saying. I mean I just realized throughout the movie that I was I was watching – Shyamalan at work again like I yeah. honestly feel like after the movie and after I've just been thinking about it and wanting and talking about it with other people I just feel like we're able to talk about him on the same level at, that he was at during Sixth Sense and Unbreakable and Signs and during his kind of prime time and it, and it's not to say that oh I think Split is his best movie he's done yet I right. just feel like we're we're able to talk about him on the same level and it, and it feels good to be able to talk to, about him like that again there's a, there's a there's a certain energy in a good Shyamalan movie that that we lost in the middle there. Like I yeah. felt like we just it just didn't have it. You know, it was it was kind of on the fringes, but it wasn't there. And we finally kind of have that again, and it's really nice. I it couldn't agree nice. more. Couldn't agree more. Well, and um, I I think I mean, he's mo- I think he's back. Like I don't think it's just like a fluke. Because I mean, the visit was also uh, received pretty well. I didn't see it, but I heard great things about it. And I think these these low budget, uh, kind of thriller suspense horror films are like, he and he's funding them himself. It's giving him more creative control. So I think I think we're gonna, this is the Shyamalanaissance, if you will. The Shyamalanaissance. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that, that one will stick as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I still am holding on to the Maconaissance, but <laughs> it's probably over. Um, well, then there's the Jalanaissance. I mean, Jalanaissance. Oh no. He kind of. I have you not heard of the Jalanasans? No, I haven't. Well, th- that's also a thing if you hadn't heard of it. But yeah, I think we're in the era of Gyllenhaal. I think that's really what we're at. Because I, I don't even. I think he's just going to be around forever till we die. Like it's just going to be all Gyllenhaal, dude. I hope so. Um, so let's just get it out. Like the most, the best part of Split for me, I think in most people was McAvoy's performance. True or false? True. I mean, uh, on the same level as other points that I have written down, I'll get into one of those points is McAvoy's performance. I mean, honestly, it's so like refreshing to see an actor 
I mean, I've always liked him. He's he's in uh-huh. some good movies, but like, yeah, he goes all out in this movie. Like, in, <laughs> he does. In every single personality that he portrays, it's distinct fr- from the other, and in mm-hmm. such a good way that like. And what's more impressive about it is you, like, if you can look at a biopic, and it's it's always impressive to see actors, you know, imitating an actual, you know, non-fictional person. But yeah. again, it's almost. Not that that's easy, but it's definitely an easier task, I think, when you have solid material to imitate and to draw from. But for McAvoy, just to draw from a well of his imagination and yeah. create these personas, I i mean, he blew me away. He's Oscar worthy. I mean, there's no question he's Oscar worthy in this movie. It, and it was interesting because for me, it can get gimmicky really quickly with that kind of a situation. Oh, yeah. Where I you're just like, okay, all right. You know, cause anybody could just switch between acting like a gay fashion direct, uh, fashion designer to some tough Brooklyn guy, but he pulls it off so seamlessly. It was like, it really was like magic. Yeah. Cause you really bought into who he was in that moment, which was crucial to that film being worth anything. Because if that wouldn't have been pulled off, the whole thing would have fell apart. Yeah. So no question. Um, Tay, what did you think? I I think the uh I I loved McAvoy's performance but for me it was more he uh didn't reveal like he revealed just enough about the plot like you knew very little about the situation watching that movie until the end yeah. right you didn't know I didn't know what city they were in I didn't know what type of building they were in yeah like yeah, it, that, I'm yeah. like, this would be terrifying to just be. You wake up in a bedroom, like with this psychopath. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. Like, I just, I thought it was a great like mystery, if you will. Like, that yeah. was it was fun to see that because you don't see that very often anymore, where you have to kind of unravel the story as it goes along. Yep. For, yeah, and people just coming in are following along here there will be spoilers with this movie so if you are for some reason haven't seen it yet and not knowing how it ends is crucial to you pull out now because it's going to be spoilers from here on out getting it out there um so it in classic m night fashion he puts so many clues to that very question you had throughout the whole movie because there was such a like um the details about the animals Right. The yeah. facts about animals, you know, and the pictures on the wall. It's like, oh, yeah, it's at a zoo. They're underneath a zoo. Not that you could have ever figured that out otherwise, but no. it all became clear at the end. Exactly. And and kind of just going along, this is the other point, it, like how you don't really know where she's at, where these girls are kidnapped and where they're at. And it, just the slow reveal of not only yep. that situation, but of everything like from. And so some things I've noticed. So just I mean. I just love talking about Shyamalan in a storytelling kind of perspective because the way he tells the story is honestly, like I said, it's on the same level as Unbreakable in in The Sixth Sense. Yeah. And that is because he does not rely on exposition to give us the answers that we need in the time that we need it. So like – and I try to remember. I've only seen it once. I want to see it again. But from what I can remember, it is never mentioned once in that movie – that Casey Cook, Anya Taylor-Joy's character, was sexually abused. It's never talked about. It's never mentioned by anybody. But we know that that's what happened. 
I mean, just yeah. from the you, you get the flashbacks of her past and we kind of start wondering why we're getting those in the first place. It's like because they do come at random moments. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when you start piecing those flashbacks together, we, you know, we start to understand her past. And the the first clue we get is when the girl gets kidnapped out of the room uh, by Dennis, one of McAvoy's personas. And he um, she's obviously going to get kind of. I guess, raped or sexually abused. And she tells the girl immediately she needs to pee on herself. And it's like, that's just the first hint. It's like, well, how did she know that? And like, that's like kind of weird. And it, it's just the reveal and the storytelling. Like he uses so many visual cues that allows us as like an audience to piece it together. Mm-hmm. Because in, in any other horror flick, I feel like as a cliche, like, because, you know, she's kind of the outcast of these two girls. These two girls are like best friends. And you find out in the beginning that she's kind of an outcast. She's not talkative. She's socially awkward. And so you would probably think at one point they would bond in that room and they would like, oh, yeah, I was sexually abused as a child or like it would somewhere. Yeah. It would. I feel like it would have come up somewhere in that kind of conversation. I love I just love how Shyamalan decides to never even mention it. And he just uses the visuals to help us piece it together by ourselves. And that's the thing that's so, that was so interesting to me because like you said, it was like, he doesn't just tell you, you kind of just figure it out. But what's interesting is that when those comments, you learn something about her, but in the moment you make, it makes you think she knows something that you don't. Yeah. It, it made me question what her relation to this cat, this, this captor was because it was like, what is she? Because she was so introverted. It was like, does she know what's going on? Does she know this person? Is that why they were targeted in the first place? You know, and slowly yeah. you learn more about her. But it, he puts so much tension and mystery around all of the characters that you're like, who's safe and who's not safe and who is involved and who's not involved. Exactly. And it also. He plays to his strengths because he knows that his audience is going to be looking for things because of who he is and what oh, he's yeah. done in the past. So it was uh, it was great. And it's it's fun to watch because like you're like somebody like just go find this guy and save these girls. And the the th- the th- yep. psychologist lady is so close. It's oh, it's, yeah. it's just it's great. It's just a great. That's why we go to the movies. We don't go to be told stuff. We were we go to see stuff. It's a visual medium. So like, I think it's right. It's great storytelling. We can do it visually rather than through exposition. Yeah. No, he hits it on the head. And like, even I even picked up cause you notice in the flashbacks when she's with her dad and then all of a sudden there's a flashback where they're at his funeral and we never get yep. like someone explained to her or her explained to someone else how her dad died, but he makes it so clear and they have like one of the flashbacks when they're out hunting and they're in the tent and you see him constantly open beer cans like one or two and in, in like in the same scene. So then you kind of piece together, OK, he was probably an alcoholic and died of alcohol abuse. Like, yeah, he allows us to piece that together just by simply having <laughs> him on screen popping up, pop, popping open a couple of cans of beer. And, like, in you know, that's not the fact. I mean, no one ever says that, but he. One, he doesn't make that the important part of the story because that doesn't really pertain to any part of the bigger story of Split. But it does allow us to kind of make that connection. And like just the things I just really appreciate the way that he trusted his audience. He didn't insult us by having to explain 
every little thing. I mean, I think right. the furthest he he actually laid on the exposition a little thick, but I think it was justified was with the psychologist on the Skype interview, which was she... her job, right? Exactly, was to kind of push it through. Yeah, yeah, and so to have her kind of explain, and it's also to let us know as an audience, like what you know, McAvoy's character is capable of. You know, these personalities yeah. are real. He can actually form and morph, and I think. That was a good way to at least get it across. I mean, I I don't think that was too much of an exposition. You have to set the parameters of your story. I mean, because if you don't have any kind of boundary for your audience, that's where you kind of kind of lose the focus, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, this turned into a superhero movie. I thought I was watching a thriller, you know, and it kind of can confuse you. But the way they set it up, it's like the mind is capable of things that we can't even fathom. And that was enough to allow him to become what he calls himself the horde. So, yeah. right. So it, I, I, I want to get, I want to talk about the ending. Like, um, did that take you guys by surprise when he whipped out that super monster character or personality? I didn't see that coming. Like, I didn't think that he was actually going to like. That the movie would do yeah, that? Yeah, because like, it seemed like it was based in reality, and then like it just took this weird right. turn at the end, which it was kind of refreshing. Like I wasn't upset by it, but like I, I clearly was taken off guard by it. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate... I mean, like, like Ben said, I think it does a good job of keeping that part of the story grounded. Like, to actually mm-hmm. try to make what happened, him turning into a, a beast... Um, to, you know, to the extent that he does, it actually sets the movie sets it up to make us kind of believe that and not be, oh, my okay, this is just so fake like that would never happen, you know, because the movie feels so realistic. But I, right. I honestly feel like I was convinced, you know, that like he could do that because of how it was set up before and how, you know, everything they talked about um, and the, you know, in McAvoy's personalities and how it can change brain chemistry and your body mm-hmm. and like. And so, yeah, I guess I didn't really, I don't know if I expected it to happen or not, especially being a Shyamalan movie. I don't know if there's going to be some twist involved in that. But, yeah, I was at least, I, it was believable enough the way that he had set that up, I think. Well, in, in the big punch with this whole thing, it's like, okay, so he can turn into this crazy monster that has physical capabilities unseen to anyone before. That's what you're thinking. Like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But then... The big reveal and the biggest reveal, we realize that he's in the world of Unbreakable. Yes. And uh, what's his name? David Dunn? Yeah. Right? David Dunn, Bruce Willis's character, shows up at the end and we realize that we're in Philadelphia still. The whole movie took place in Philadelphia, which some people might have known seeing the skyline. I didn't, um, I didn't in either. one of the scenes. But then we can go, oh my gosh, we already know what – David Dunn is capable of, and now we know what uh, McAvoy's character is capable of, and we've set up the greatest of comeback movies and a face-off superhero movie. Yep. It's crazy. It's... Unreal. It's such a a good feeling, I'm telling you. Like, (laughs) M. M. Night could not have come back, I think, in a better way than to... Not only did he, and this is my last point that I had about the movie, not only did he come back with a way to, to bring back, when in my opinion, his best movie, Unbreakable, to kind of bring that back into, you know, theaters and to help us experience that world a little bit more, but 
he chose and I've watched interviews and I've read interviews with him. It, he he specifically chose to do Split as its own movie. He wanted it to stand on its own and he wanted an average moviegoer to be able to enjoy it as a psychological thriller with characters that have arcs and motivations and all that and completely stand on its own. But then, cause if you even watch, you know, the, the ending title sequence split comes up before we get the Bruce Willis cameo of right. David Dunn. And so like when you see split, it's like, okay, that's the end of, that's the story that we just watched. That's <laughs> ended. And now here's Willis. And now here's the tie in. And now, you know, we know we're going to get a third film. At least he's mentioned he's already in the process of writing a third film to kind of tie tie this all up. Dude, Samuel L. Jackson, who was Mr. Glass in Unbreakable, I read online, he read, he talked to M. Night about this and the possibilities, and they said that if the movie did well, Split did well, that they would go ahead and go forward and make the the two of them together. So, dude, I think it's a done deal. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's going to happen now. It's made over. It's made almost two hundred million worldwide on a nine million dollar budget. Unreal! So, so I think good. you can consider that a success. Uh, boom! <laughs> He's back. He's back, and so put the it, stamp on it. Yeah, and and just it just like I said, it feels good to finally see a movie. Like we're so used. Obviously, it's hard to compare this to like other superhero movies, but like right, every other sequel and prequel and universe tie-in. Those films, like, I think struggle and sometimes fail to stand on their own. And I just, I love that we have Unbreakable. Like, we get a whole origin of the hero. Now we have Split. We get the whole origin of the villain. And now we have a whole film dedicated to them facing off. Because, like, all of those acts. And so it's like he split a three-act film. Um, generally, you know, like three acts of those would be the acts you'd find in a single film. You get the origin yep. of the hero, origin of the villain, and then they face off in the third act. So yep. instead of doing that in one film, he's done it in three movies. And I think, I mean, you can't, it's masterpiece. Like it's masterful it that he's, that he's done it this way. <laughs> and that not only is he, did he do it, but he's done it so well. So yep. I, I, I have faith that in the third one, he's going to be able to, to pull it off. I think if he's done split, um, and unbreakable on the level that he's done it, if he just keeps doing what he's doing, I mean, I can't see We're it. Good. We're good. Mark set. Wahlberg's going to be in a So. Oh yes! <laughs> Boom! What? Uh, so Mel Tay Gibson will come back, I think, and Paul Giamatti. Yeah, I think he'll have some of his old crew back. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome! Could you imagine? <laughs> just this—he just fuses all of them together. <laughs> What's his face? Joaquin Phoenix runs in with a baseball bat. Mel Gibson's tossing up glasses of water. Did you just, it's gonna did be you just call him Joaquin Phoenix? Joking. <laughs> I don't know who he it's is. Joaquin. Joaquin, man. Joaquin ah, Phoenix. There's a J in the front of his name. That's um, great. So, Tay, what would you take? How would you take the next one, this this movie going forward? What direction would you take the movie? Well, I think what's going to happen is Mr. Glass is going to use uh, um, James McAvoy's character as a, a weapon. And then Bruce Willis is going to have to stop him. That's 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 the most like I think logical thing to do, right? Because I mean, Mister Glass physically can't fight uh, David Dunn, so right. I think they're going to team up. But I think I think it'll be the opposite. I think yeah. Dunn might use Glass as as help to take out the horde. I because, agree. Because in Unbreakable, Glass's purpose was to find a superhero. I mean, he went about it in questionable way that we discussed on a, on another podcast. But like, um, 
I so I think his intentions were good. It was just the ends don't always justify the means. And the means in yep. Glass's case, they do. They you know it was worth it to sacrifice all those lives to find David Dunn. So I think you know, and you know maybe David will be hesitant on working with Glass because he thinks he's a, a disgusting human being for what he did. But <laughs> I think I could see them kind of working together and to take out McAvoy. And you have to think already that McAvoy's character is the horde. I mean, there's a committee yeah. of people already making decisions yep. for him. I mean, to consult an external party makes kind of no sense for what he is, you know? He's it's such like, an got... interesting <laughs> villain. Like, Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, man. Like, he's like, just like uh, Mr. Glass was, he had great motivations. And I love how we, we get McAvoy's motivation at the very end. He's not just some psycho serial killer willing to kill anyone no. in its path. He's only willing to kill people that, that according to him, are pure. Um, Or he wants to kill people that aren't pure. In that sense, people that haven't been through some sort of trauma. Hence why Casey Cook doesn't get murdered because she was sexually abused and he sees all the scars on her and whatever. But So I I love that motivation, though. I love that we give the villain kind of a, not just, hey, I'm a psychopath, I'm going to kill everyone. He he actually has his own motivations that he for why he kills certain people, and that's the greatness of Shaman's characters is they're complex. Yeah. David Dunn was complex. Very he wasn't complex. Just, he wasn't Captain America. Nope. He was a a potential cheater on his wife, a guy that didn't want to do much with himself, but he came to find what he should do through a complex uh, series of events. Same thing with McAvoy's character. He's not totally evil. I mean, there is goodness inside of him. Yeah. But we kind of get it one scene. I love, we get one scene and the entire film of a flashback as to why he developed kind of this personality disorder. You know, he had a mom who apparently beat him and was extremely strict. Just that one scene really was so effective though. He's like hiding under the bed and she has a wire hanger in her, in her hand ready to beat him. And that, oh, like that, that feeling it's, just. Yeah, it was it, deep. Yeah. It, it was it. deep seated. Um, Frick. All right. Well, we could talk all day about split. Apparently, Morris, did you have anything else you wanted to cover before we, we move on? No, I think I got all my points across. I just, I, the more I think about it, I'm the more happy I am because because <laughs> Shyamalan's back and we can talk about him, but he's also given us some, some film to discuss. He's given us a reason to talk, you know, about a movie again. And it's, I love it. I can't wait for the third one. So everybody go see split and definitely go see unbreakable. We've already talked about it. So go see it for real. If yep. you haven't, cause that's worth seeing. Okay. All right. Moving along. John wick. All right, Tay, I got to talk to you about this. All okay. right. You've been backing the wrong damn horse in Liam Neeson. <laughs> you should have been backing Keanu Reeves from John Wick. He is the Brian Mills we've been looking for, dude. This guy actually kills people. This guy kills, like, how many people in just the first movie? We haven't even seen the second movie yet. I know you haven't, and I haven't. Morris has I think seen it's it. Like, I think it's dude, like 50. It's a lot. Dude, it was a lot, and it wasn't even that much time. That was a short movie. The first 25 minutes was him crying over his wife and his dog, and then he finally got to it. So what do you got to say, dude? John Wick. He's the shit. So be honest, I haven't seen this movie for a couple of years. It's been a little while. Um, but I, I do remember, like, it's just, a, it's just a real simple story, right? Like, 
it's not very yep. complicated. It's just a revenge action flick. And it, it's awesome. It's well done. The scenes are well done. The action sequences are good. Um, I I think it's great. I think it's a great franchise. And it's. I don't think the first one got a lot of love, did it? It kind of got a cult following. Like, it wasn't... Because this one, John Wick 2, was much more successful financially than the first one, I believe. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah, I haven't looked at the box office intakes, but it definitely... Definitely had a cult following, but I would say it. I mean, critics praised it. It didn't. I yeah. mean, I think it did pretty well in theaters and made its money back. Obviously, hence why they saw a sequel so soon. But um, no, I think yeah, plenty of people liked the first one, including myself. I I loved it. I thought it was a refreshing action movie. And like Taylor said, it was simple, but there's nothing wrong with simple for an action movie. No, and as I, long as you do it right, that's all that I, matters. And I thought that the way it was filmed was so nice. Considering now there's so many like flash cuts when there's fight scenes. And so you're like, what am I even looking at? It's just like a barrage of images. This would actually stop on a fight scene and watch it actually develop. And you saw all the mov- the movements and every hit landed, every shot. You saw it hit. It was great. I thought it's really well done. So I'm guessing John Wick 2, Bilmo, is the uh, same deal. Even yeah. better. Yeah, and so I'm. I've had a hard time finding out like which one is better. I I might still go with the first one as a as a whole, just like as a, its own story and how it introduced us to the the universe. But dude, John Wick too. I mean, if you guys are familiar with the Raid movies, I know T Car and I kind of talked about that on the yeah. last pod. So I mean, the Raid. Those are some of the best action movies of all time, in my opinion. And when I saw the second one, it it picks up about you know an hour or so where the first one left off so you're literally continuing the story and john wick 2 is the same way you're literally picking up within hours of where the first one ended um and it's it's just longer so the films you know the runtime is a lot longer and there's just more action and it's more gruesome than the first like (laughs) in fact i have the the kill count so the first john wick had 77 dead that was the kill count. Holy cow. <laughs> and then John Wick 2 has 128. Oh, that's more than all the Taken movies combined. Damn. Well, there you go. And so, and so that just kind of gives you an idea of how, like, I was completely satisfied in that regard. Like, we see John Wick and we want more. We want at least what we got in the first one, if not more. And I think we got more of what we liked about the first one. Um, mm. You know, the, the premise gets a little bit more Obviously, it's not as simple as the first one. I'm not going to reveal much because the trailer doesn't really tell you yeah. much about it. And so, um, you know, and not that it's confusing or convoluted. It's just not as simple. Um, but, dude, yeah, I mean, it's just more gruesome. I'm not even going to go into detail because I want you to be su- just as surprised as I was about <laughs> some of the stuff that happens in it. Like the way he kills certain people. And obviously, we get plenty of headshots like we got in the first one. Nice. I mean, it's it's just insane. I I just enjoyed myself completely. I couldn't have asked for much more than that. I mean, and the way it ends, it leaves you. I know they're in the works for a, a chapter three for a third film, and it it's pretty clear the way it ends that they're going that way because it's definitely going to pick up soon after the second one, wow. based on how All it right. ended. So it's it's a good time. Keanu's a good good fit for this type of movie, I think. 
Oh, he uh, definitely is. He has the action chops. He's he's obviously vetted for it at this point. Um, and I also like that he's kind of low key as well. Everyone knows who he is, but he's not like you know he's not the first guy you're gonna think of in most times. So yeah, I, I like that. I thought that was great. No, um, yeah, he did such a great job in the first one. And and if you YouTube it, you should just YouTube Keanu Reeves like training course, and I'm sure you'll find it that comes up. So he did an excessive training for to, for John Wick too. Um, they put him through like these real life like SWAT team, you know, courses with like how to handle the weapons, all the movements, and he's incredible. Dang. I mean, this guy worked for months, and so I think that dedication is really what makes these movies pay off. Is he, you know, they don't use stunt doubles all the time. You're not getting these shaky cams yep. that we get from a lot of action films. So you you're seeing him on screen. He's getting hurt. He's getting beat up. We see punches land. We see people flying out of cars, and it's just like, this is this is all we want. This yeah. is what you need to make an action movie worth watching. Is get these actors prepared so we can watch them get torn up and tear others up, while at the same time, you know, when we can watch it all yeah. happen in front of us. Let your actors work, and that was a part of M Night's a point I want to make with Split was like, let your actors do the heavy lifting for you. You know, yep. put them in a place to succeed. And let them do it. It's what we all want to see. Um, quick question, though, for you, Tay. Who do you think Hollywood's best and most billable action star is today? today? If you're making an action movie, who's going to bring the most people to the theater? Uh, today, that's a, that's tougher. I mean, I'd say, like, ten years ago, probably Will Smith. But, um Yeah. No, he's not, a loser. We yeah, made that clear that he's a loser. Yeah. Last well, I'm, think, I'm thinking about who's who's Definitely. trending right now. I don't know. You got like you got Chris Pratt. It's kind of murky. It's kind of murky because they all all the big action stars are getting superhero roles. Um, um, when you say Tom Cruise for yeah. a while was a big I, one. Yeah, I have him still kind of on on the list. I mean, I did not. Yeah. Jack Reacher 2 didn't live up to my expectations at all. People hated that movie. Yeah, I didn't. Was it bad? I I liked the first one. I haven't haven't seen either. Yeah, see, the first one was awesome. I love the first one. And, you know, he's Edge of Tomorrow was awesome. He's he's cast in the new Mummy movie. So, like, I still think he can put out. And the Mission Impossible movies are good. I mean, I I think he can still put out quality action. I think he's still. His movies make money, too. I will say that. Yeah. But that's weird though, because he's so old. I would think I we would have somebody else by now that would kind of hold that. But it's kind of still Tom Cruise's, you know, thrown to well, lose. Well, the superhero genre is kind of like convoluted everything, because our su- our super yeah, superhero that's, that's movies are point. action films, right? Yeah. No, you're right. But they're it's confusing. Yeah, yeah it's, they're not creating new well, characters. They're just playing already created superheroes. Yeah, and as far as like. Um, you know, other people, I, what came to mind was Tom Hardy. I think Tom he, Hardy's one I thought of. Cause, cause Mad Max was so just, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say like revolutionary, but like it was just such a refreshing surprise, I guess. Like it was just right. action packed. Again, a simple premise that was just done so well. And I think to the extent that they cut down a lot of um, special effects and CGI and they went with a lot of practical you know, car chases and car accidents, uh-huh. it pays off. And I think, uh, and, and, you know, and they did use more CGI than I think people 
claim that it didn't use. I mean, you can watch videos of there's a lot of green screen, a lot of, but that's okay sure. as long as it's not as as much as you're not using special effects or not. It's it's whether it's how you use it and how you yep. use it to blend it in with everything that you're watching. And Mad Max was seamless. I mean, in my opinion, that's why it was so good. It used the practical with the special and just blended it seamlessly. And Definitely. Yeah, I don't know. Tom Hardy. And I want to say he's up. Oh, there. I want to say to Tom Hardy, he is the best physical actor we have because he's not that big of a person. I think he's like under six feet tall. I want to say he's like five ten or five eleven. Really? So he, he's not that tall. But he, when he takes on a physical role, whether it's Mad Max, whether it's Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, whether it's his character in Warrior, um, he owns the screen, and he is physically imposing in any film he does. And yeah. even in The Revenant, he was yep. someone that was not to be trifled yeah. with. And he, he acts so much in the way he walks, in the way he talks. He doesn't even have to say anything. You're still scared of him even. So Yeah. Lawless, yeah, he was the same way in Lawless. I mean, he was the presence on that screen throughout right. that whole movie. He was the biggest threat no matter where, where he was and what he was doing. Yeah. You were worried about what he was going to do. And that's, that's what I'm point. curious how he how he is in Dunkirk because he's going to be in Nolan's yeah. new film this summer. As a pilot, and so I'm curious to see how big of a role he's etched out for him. Yeah, um, I hope they give him a good part. Yeah, me too. But but going back to yeah. your original There's... question, Ben, I don't I don't Sorry. think we're like the movie landscapes changed. Like I don't think we are gonna see a, another Tom Cruise or Mel Gibson. Saw Bloodfather, by the way, Bill Mo liked it. Um, it was and... good. I liked it. Um, yeah, I liked it. But a lot. like the action genre is kind of like it's kind of fading. I think. I mean, because what do we got left for the the pinnacle like the pinnacles of of action films? We got Fast and Furious movies, uh, John Wick franchise. Are those like the two? It's like you said, it's the superhero yeah. Because then movies. everything else is superhero movies, like, and then just whatever else comes. Yeah, out. they're not creating new characters like like Ethan Hunt yeah. or Jason Bourne or whatever like iconic characters. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I guess even oh, yeah. like I mean John <laughs> Wick is like the first like um I yeah, I yeah, I don't know. That's a good that's a good point to bring up. Cuz yeah, John Wick is definitely a revamping of what I think action movies should be doing, but like you said, Fast and Furious, those are the ones making all the money. Those are the ones they're going to yeah. keep making and they're oh my gosh, I I just it's so sad that those keep getting made <laughs> and they keep making money. Like it really is because they think studios think okay this is what people want and that's what we're going to keep pumping out it's like uh, i just wish more people could break away and do what john wick's doing um you know more often there's a there's a problem when it's based in personality over the substance of the action because that's the problem with like the expendables right and i can't i haven't seen the expendables so maybe i'm totally wrong and those are awesome movies so i'm sorry but the fact that i see the trailer and they have to shoot out 20 to 25 different major action stars from the last 30 years, 40 years. And that's the movie. I know it's going to suck. And that's basically what fast and furious does. They go, yeah. Oh, we got the rock. Oh, we got ludicrous. Oh, we got Vin Diesel. Oh, Jason look at this. Statham. And now Jason Kurt Russell's Statham. in it. Charlie's Theron's in it. I mean, it's like, it's just like, just because you pack more doesn't make it better. 
proven yeah, point with John Wick. And that's why like superhero movies are in the same boat. It's like you can keep throwing people at me, doesn't mean it's gonna make it a better movie. It just doesn't work. So I agree. All right. All right. Well, action movies we will always be talking about you. Um so we're moving on to another genre. A little spooky movie. All right. Morris Bilmo referred us to a spooky movie, a little bit off the radar. I think this was an indie flick, wasn't it? I think so. I didn't it definitely didn't see a wide release. I the only yeah. reason I saw this in a theater is I was working in New York and my brother lives there and we he had found he I don't know how he heard of it, but he just sent me something on Twitter and I just read about it and I was like, I'm in. Like let's go. And so we just went and saw it in New York and we loved it. And, you know, I had I hadn't seen it play anywhere else and it's only on Amazon, I think, right now. Yeah. Um, this one's known as the autopsy of Jane Doe. Tay, you wanna set the stage for us? Give us a quick synopsis. Yeah. So um so it's a father son uh, coroner duo. They own a they own like a morgue and crematory a crematorium under their house. And uh and the police find this body underneath a house in their town. And the body's like pristine. Like it's it's like this glowing there's white, no cuts on it. The skin's lady. perfect. It's clear, like just a just a lady. Just a dead lady. So the cops bring the body into the corner and say, uh, we don't know the cause of death. We need you to find one ASAP. So they uh get to work late at night. Emergency autopsy. And let me tell you the autopsy portion of this movie is gruesome and awesome at the same time. <laughs> it's so yeah. awesome. Agreed. It's it phenomenal. Kind of want to get it. into that line of work a little bit. I was like, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, like they're they're kind of like a laid back coroner. Like they listen to like rock music when they're cutting up the bodies, and they're just like, it's which is kind of disturbing. But when you think about it, it's like they yeah, do it's it every like day. Real so. chill. Yeah. But as yeah. they are cutting up the body they start finding out more and more scary shit about this jane doe and then bad stuff starts happening obviously i won't spoil anything but that's that's kind of the, the premise. Only point i would make the only point i would make that you've uh forgot was that the house that the body came from there was i think four or five other people just mangled just destroyed killed in the yeah. house yeah and so um yeah so it's definitely a mysterious event they can't just they don't know what's going on exactly or what how it happened um so from a scary movie bill right off the bat it's definitely a solid movie i liked it i was nervous i usually don't get nervous in scary movies anymore it's been a while since i actually was like kind of scared and i was kind of scared i didn't know where it was gonna go um so i liked what they did overall the ending though, I was a little I have some I have some questions. Okay. Well yeah, we can get into that when we'll you know, we'll give you a, a spoiler warning. We don't want to spoil anything of this movie for people who haven't experienced it. But yeah, I my experience going into it I mean, so did you watch it? How do you, how what were your settings when you watched it? Were you in a dark room? Loud? Yeah, I watched it I watched it, I watched it in my bed on with on my iPad in my room. Okay. Uh, I mean, iPad is, eh, you know, I mean, you're not, I mean, that's not a bad way to do it. If there's no distractions and it's late at night, I understand you're still going to get, it's going to be effective. But I mean, watching this on a, on the, in the theater was just, I'm, I'm glad I saw this in the theater and not that you can't get a similar experience watching it 
from your home. But um, yeah, it was a very effective horror film. I mean, it was a the, the premise in and of itself was completely out of left field. It's not adapted from a story. It's not a remake or a retelling of any previous you know film in the past. And I love just the originality of the premise, and you're just kind of thrown in. Um, to this mystery, and I and I like it a lot because the father and son were on the same page as them the entire movie because right. they don't you know we're what they discover about the body is what we know about the body. There's never something that we know that they don't, and vice versa. And so it's kind of nice to be put in kind of we're in that room with them, learning everything as it goes along. And so it's, it is a nice little mystery, a nice reveal up until the end and it's yeah it had me on the edge of my seat and i was i I jumped i was scared i was nervous it did everything i think a horror film should do right so i thought the father and the son had great chemistry as well oh great chemistry i thought they were very believable as a father and son so that was really nice so i i thought the the premise and the plot was like i thought the idea of the movie was great loved it it was it was the ending that i did not completely agree with and i was kind of disappointed like how they kind of wrapped up the movie Uh, spoilers now spoilers here they are so first first off my favorite part of the movie is where all the scary shit's happening in down in the basement and then the sun goes fuck it and like lights the body on fire (laughs) that was my my favorite part and 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 then the fact nothing happened to the body that freaked me out but um the girlfriend, her death was completely unnecessary and didn't make sense. Yeah, I, I mean, to <laughs> not that not that it wasn't unnecessary. I mean, there's a lot of unnecessary deaths in a horror film. I mean, come on, people are gonna die, you know, when they get in the way of evil. I mean, come on, innocent people die for unnecessary reasons. But the the only reason I don't know, like I'm trying, I've also tried to figure this out if that even happened. Or if she really did come back and was killed. That was my point. was like, it didn't do a good job defining what was in their minds versus what actually happened. I agree. Because it could have been where they were just like in this like weird coma with the witch playing with their minds while they slobbered in the corner. Or were they actually walking around and was their bodies walking with them that were dead? You know, it, it wasn't clear what actually well, I mean happened. the circumstances for it right so like assuming that it actually was her she wouldn't have been creeping sure. around in the dark and sneaking up on them yeah why was she, she would have been like hello anybody down here she would have been calling out for him well but that's what i think it, when you get to the extent of to where what's happening because here real quick just to throw this kind of in into the side if you notice you you, you have to immediately think they're kind of being put into a different world. The witch is playing with their heads because yeah. um, at the beginning you listen to the radio and it says, Hey, we have sunny days, sunny skies for the next four days. They give the forecast. Uh-huh. And then even at the end of the movie, when the radio comes back on, it's like, Hey, we have another sunny day coming out. But that whole movie, they're supposedly stuck in a rainstorm, a thunderstorm. Right. And so the fact that they were convinced of that, I just think, they were going to be completely unable to, I don't know, I guess, I, if the girlfriend was that, really there, if she was calling for them, I don't think they would have heard him because they were in a trance, I mean, at that point, to some extent. That's a good point. At the end of the movie, did they show, had there been a storm? 
Did the tree actually no. fall on the house? No, there was nothing. And that's what the, I think that's the whole point of having that on the radio. Cause I saw it twice. I saw it in theater and I watched it again with my wife and I noticed that part cause I had read about it and they had yeah. mentioned that. And so I looked for that and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of okay. a, it's another kind of Shyamalan thing where they uses the visual and the audio to kind of help you piece that together. You know, it wasn't like the, no one on screen had to say, oh, it was a sunny day or no one had to say that. But like the radio makes that clear that I think that was all fake. They all that were was, convinced that they were stuck in that basement and they couldn't well, yeah, get out. Uh, uh, that I was guess that makes sense versus, right okay. before the sun died when he's pushing on the cellar door and they're like, open it. And he's like, it's stuck. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> so like, oh, and he started, the sheriff starts singing. Yeah. Dude, that got that to was me. creepy. That really got to me under my skin. I love that part because okay, that, that was, nice. was just like you, because you're kind of already relaxing. You're like, okay, he's gonna get out. We're yep. gonna find out what happens, and then he starts singing that song <laughs> that they hear on the radio. I'm like, oh my gosh, which was creepy as frick. <laughs> it I watched really it with was. my wife, and she was like, "Turn this movie off. <laughs> this is an evil. This is an evil spirit you're bringing into our hey, house." And I was like, "Just." Hold on, we'll see how it goes. Don't don't you guys think <laughs> it would have been more powerful if the son would have lived and had to deal with the fact that his dad and girlfriend died within minutes of each other? Don't you think that? No, and I, and I'll tell you why I think that I didn't, I wouldn't like that because it plays off the whole beginning of the movie. There, it's a house full of dead people with this body, and the fact yeah. that that's where this body, what happens again when this body is in another house, everyone ends up dead. And I love the the correlation between the two, the beginning and end, because um, the sheriff, when she's there, she's like, yeah, these people weren't trying to um, prevent something from getting in. They were trying to get out. Get out. And yeah. it was the same thing in, in the end. They were trying to get out of that place, through the elevator, through the cellar. And so they find themselves in the same situation. So I think it was nice to have that consistency. And the witch is not going to let anyone get out alive, no matter what. That's true. Is. And I, um, I like that. The other thing I was hoping for that I didn't think they explored enough in the movie was diving more into their psyches because clearly there was some tension between the son and the father and how like he was going to go off and start his own life. And the father, you know, obviously wanted him to be a part of the business. And then the, the fact of like his mom that had died, they were kind of hinted at some of these things. I feel like the witch could have exploited that more and made it even more powerful as she was killing them and torturing them and through the movie. So that would be yeah. my other small critique because they kind of okay. went quickly through like, like, Oh, this thing's evil. Okay. And then it was like, we tried to get rid of it and then it just killed them both. It was like, they could have like built up a little bit more tension and I feel like it could have just knocked it through the roof. But overall I thought it was great. It was a good movie. Yeah. And I, another thing, um, that I liked about it was so kind of what you just mentioned. I actually appreciated that they didn't take a cliche of having a moment. Cause the moment that, you know, the girlfriend comes and they're going to go out on a date. Then he ends up staying. He's, he briefly mentions, you know, I don't want to be a part of my family's business. I want to do my own thing. So yeah. you think, okay, so there's going to be a point of tension between father and son, and they're probably going to fight about it. And we never get that. And I'm actually, I appreciated that. I think it would have been cliche to have this moment where they're alone and they're like, I don't want to be a part of the business. I hate this, you know? And he's like, uh, you know, like, I just feel yeah, like in no, another you're right. horror you're film, right. you, you probably would have seen a scene like that. But I like, they just kind of give that moment to him and his girlfriend. And that's that. They never have to bring it into their relationship and talk about it. 
And I love the little subtle hints of how the wife died of depression. Um, I've even yeah. read some fan theories. I'm not fresh on it. You should look them up, though, on Reddit. That this The whole movie, Autopsy of Jane Doe, is actually about depression. And the reasons oh. they give that I remember reading were actually pretty solid points. But I unfortunately, I can't remember on the top of my head. But you should look into that. So I can oh, yeah, see some I, correlations. Yeah. The silent killer, you know, it's kind of just deep within us, but you really don't, it doesn't show on the outside, but it is on the inside. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. There definitely is some points. Um, Yeah. So I would say that this movie did a great job with the tension because you're spent almost the whole time. You're just trying to figure out what's going on just like them, which is really nice. Unlike another movie that I watched called Hush, which is on Netflix. Did you see this, Bill Mo? Yeah, I did. My wife and I love that one. We like okay, it so, a lot. So that one's good, but they ruined their biggest point of tension and revealed the killer like, I don't know, 25 minutes yeah, into the Yeah, they should have kept his mask on until the end. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I guess, but the, the reveal of the of the actual killer doesn't really have... Um, I mean, I, I get what you mean. Like, you know what just I mean? Just not knowing who it is because it maybe it is someone that she knows or didn't know but it, i mean it ends up just being a nobody and just, just some dude yeah um so maybe it just kind of did that to draw attention away from that but who knows i mean it's still i know what you mean though i they think they had played that to, out they had to do it i think or while well, well, they felt they had to do it so they could have some dialogue in the movie because i think that guy carries most of the the lines yeah, the, I agree. For, for the movie. So I think they were like, well, we can't have it be totally silent or mostly silent. So um, so, so that's where I thought Jane uh, Jane Doe did a good job is they let you sit in your tension and your confusion for a really good portion of the movie and mm-hmm. didn't resolve it. So And the slow reveal. Up. The slow reveal. I, I loved when they finally realized like they're reading the passage and they connect the, the <laughs> passage in the Bible and they connect the little cloth and they're just like – and they're just oh screwed. Gosh, like she's a witch. <laughs> like Northeast Salem, yeah. and I just like I love I love the reveal of like it's finding great. out this is just this is not any other corpse. This was a freaking maybe possibly innocent. You know, like like their theory in the movie is that she wasn't a witch. She was innocent, but because of all the awful things happened to her, they kind of cursed yeah. the body. You know, to that extent. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a a really good small horror film that deserves a little bit more praise great recommendation it's a it's a must watch for any of you horror fans out there so go check it out um all right now to the main event which we've already gone an hour almost so good for us uh, <laughs> these always tend to go longer though we do we love our the, movies the movies uh, <laughs> uh the academy awards uh taylor for you is it is are the Academy Awards a sham or are they a great part of the film experience? I don't think that the film. I don't culture. think they mean as much as they used to. Uh huh. I feel like it's they're kind of like so far up their own assholes at this point that like. <laughs> Enter La La Land. Yeah, La La Land. I'm like, they nominated it for like every award. It's like, come on. Yeah. Um. So with us, we're we're. We're just going to go through kind of the, the main categories. Uh, we are not the best 
uh, Morris Bilmo is our best reviewer, obviously, because he's seen most of these movies. Uh, I haven't seen all of them, so some of this is going to just be, well, I saw this movie, so I think it's better than the others I can haven't I, can seen. I make, can I make one more um, point on the Academy before we get into that? You can, yeah. So, I read pause, this dude. article on the uh, this is the Hollywood Reporter. It was talking about how um, some of the most influential movies didn't win at the Oscars. And there's a lot of movies that we yeah. have forgotten that won Best Picture, so they're they're saying that that there's a disconnect between what the Academy thinks and what's really influential in movies. And I I totally I totally agree. I mean, because you look at some of those those movies, you're like, this is one of the best movies ever made. I can't remember all the examples. There, there's from the 1940s on Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, it's these movies that lost the yeah. Forrest Gump. Yeah, and yep. and movies you're like that one over that. Like some movies yeah. don't last. Will La La Land be that Pul- movie? Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Pulp, Pulp Fiction lost to Forrest Gump. I mean, come on. Yeah, Shakespeare and <laughs> Love beat out Saving Private Ryan. Did I mean, it it's really? Like, oh, it did. And so, I mean, oh, it is man. hard. I think the Oscars do a good job of maybe getting some important movies that we all should look into and get at. But as for like the actual wins. I mean, obviously they can hit it on the head sometimes, but I think we should never gauge it. Like you said, like who was watching Shakespeare in Love? Nobody. Nobody is watching that movie, but every year we have Saving Private Ryan play on multiple TV stations, especially over Memorial Day, and it's still talked about and praised. So, yeah, it's hard to – I think that's a good point to bring up. There is – it's it's an interesting point to think that there's some kind of disconnect between what the Academy's chosen and what kind of we've – chosen to hold on to so we'll just take it at what it is the academy's given us some great movies to look at um it may not be the best for the category of all that was made this last year but it's a i think overall it's usually a pretty good representation wouldn't you say wouldn't uh, overall agree with that yeah i would agree with that tay are we okay with that or are you just gonna be majority of these are oscar hating i've seen a lot of these and they were good so I'm just I'm saying the winner. Okay. I think the nominees are typically pretty solid. Okay. So let's go with we're going to go through the big ones. Uh go ahead and say what you think will win. The the Academy will pick and but which one was your favorite or if it's different. So, uh we'll start with screenplay. The writing for original screenplay. So this is what would be the definition of this? Something that was not a book or something before, right? Yeah, no, it's not adapted because there are categories for adapted for screenplay. Adapted. So this is just straight up, they wrote it for the screen, you know, screenplay. So we got, um, uh, oh, go ahead. If you got them, go Sam. Yeah, so the ones, I mean, that I personally picked, it's hard. I had a hard time. Personally, I would want to see Hell or High Water or Manchester by the Sea mm-hmm. win. Um, I recognize the lobster being easily the most original and out yes. there screenplay. So, I mean, I could even see that I'm wanting that to kind of win, even though that wasn't my favorite of the movies in that category. But I think the Academy is going to go with La La Land for the reasons we kind of stated before. Really? For I the mean, screenplay? I think they'll probably go with it. Oh, oh man. That disappoints me because I really want the lobster to win because, when I, I, you know, I would love to see him pick that. Because think about what drove that movie. It was the dialogue. And it yeah. was how brutal that whole, all the interactions between everyone were. 
because that movie is not the easiest watch. It's enjoyable. I liked it. But there's yeah. times you're just like, oh, my gosh, that was brutal. And Colin Farrell's delivery, I thought, was just impeccable of some of those yeah, lines. Yeah, he's perfect. Yeah. So, that was a good watch. Because those are all good movies. Like, I haven't seen 20th Century Woman, which is the other one that's up for uh, to win. Um, but I thought they all were good. It just that one was the most original, you know? What did you think, yeah. Kay? Um, so the only one I've seen on here is Hell or High Water. So, um, have you not seen La La Land? I haven't seen it. <laughs> oh, okay, you man. need to just click out, dude. Not, You're done. I guess I'm not, I'm not <laughs> a no basic good white chick. Sorry. <laughs> um, dude, I'll go, it come on. That God movie's, that movie's for everyone. All right, it is. I'll go come see on. it. I'll go see it. Fine. It's too but, late. Dude, I really like Teller Highwater. I say, I I'd like to see Heller Highwater win. Um, I thought that was a great story. I thought it was really interesting. Um, yeah, right. I loved it. Good, yeah, those are good. Um, all right, so who do we think will win though? What, what do you think the Academy will pick? La La Land. I think probably? La La Land might run the table. Maybe. Yeah, that one. I don't think me. it'll run. I don't think it'll win everything, but. I mean, because here's the thing about La La Land. It's it's a movie takes place in L.A. It's about movies. I mean, it's it's hard for, um, I don't know. I I think it's hard for the Academy not to pick La La Land in a lot of categories. Categories. For reason. And, and you know, it is a that's it's not an incompetent movie. It's a really good movie, and Damien Chazelle deserves all the praise that he can get for that, yeah. for writing and directing that. I mean, he wrote that script in college. Um, he really? tried he did? to get it made. Yeah, so he had this. Damn. He and um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. He's the composer that he chose to work with. He did all the songs. I can't remember it on the top of my head. But he, oh, Herowitz? they were in college. Jason. Yeah, Harowitz. That's right, Harowitz. And they were in college together, and they wanted to make movies. And they, he wrote La La Land. And at one point, he had got funding from a studio for like a million dollars, but they wanted him to do a bunch of changes. And he's like, No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it. If I'm not going to do it hmm. right, you know, and so he makes Whiplash, which is one of my favorite movies. Amazing. And that kind of convinces the studio, okay, here's $30 million, you know, go make your movie. And so that's, I, I appreciate what he went through to get La La Land made. And it is a great movie. And so, I don't know. It's hard to, as, as for a screenplay, if we're basing it on a screenplay, I mean, it's, it's, you know, wonderfully written, great movie, but. I think the lobster, if you say, is going to be the most original screenplay yeah. for sure. Side note: Every time my wife is taking too long, I get up in her ear real close and I go, "Are you rushing, or are you dragging?" <laughs> and I, <laughs> I just let that hang out there for a second. <laughs> go see Whiplash, you guys, if you haven't seen it. That movie's freaking badass. It's it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. Okay, all right. So we'll see what happens with the screenplay directing. All right, let's do it. Let's all say it. We got Arrival, Hacksaw Ridge, La La Land, Manchester by the Sea. I want Hacksaw. And we're going to be on our knees for Mel Gibson for this one. I agree. I, I think pers- on a personal it. level, I think he should win. I think he should do it. He he owned it, dude. He killed it directing that movie. He it was did. so good. I The other movies are good, obviously. They're all good. But like the directing of that movie – like the way it was a, a war film. Those are massive, massive sets to put together and coordinate. And yeah. 
and war scenes can get muddled and confusing so quickly. And I thought he just was a master with the way he executed it. Yeah. And, and going along with like, I think when, where the directing really comes into play, cause you can look at like Manchester. I mean, that movie is completely carried by Casey Affleck um, and Michelle Williams. I mean, they, they kill it in that movie. Not that, um, you know, what's his face. I'm losing all the names. Kenneth Lonergan. He directed yeah. Manchester. Not that he's wasn't competent, but like I just feel like Mel had so much more to handle in Hacksaw. I mean, he had not only the the bio, you know, the biography yep. aspect of it. You got to get that right. You got to get the love story right without it being too sappy. Then you got to get the religious aspect of the character without it being too preachy. Yeah. Then you got to get the war <laughs> aspect point. of it without it being glorified you say hey this is glorified violence it's like no he i think he hit all of those notes perfectly and it blended and it it's the only movie of the year that brought me to tears while i was in theaters and i he deserves the praise i think excellent excellent analysis couldn't have said it better um tay could you make a case for arrival you saw arrival um arrival was good um i i thought it was a interesting plot it gets real interstellar at the end i will say that like at the end yeah. i was like this feels so much like the ending the interstellar um i don't it's not better than hacksaw though as far as directing goes i thought it was okay. carried more by the actors than the than the director personally from what i've read obviously la la land's a contender in any of these categories just because of what it is um, yeah. but moonlight seems like it's getting a lot of praise from the art community is do you I've think there's a chance well. it'll win it's sounding like it could I'm, i won't be surprised if it did i don't think it will i mean i haven't okay. seen it my brother's seen it I've, i'm looking forward to seeing it that's one that i haven't seen that i i do want to to check out um but i i think la la land's gonna take it and i won't be yeah. upset i mean yeah. i want mel gibson but if i had to say what the academy's gonna choose i think they're picking chazelle i think Looking at his story and how, you know, with Whiplash being, I mean, he's only made like two or three movies. His first movie was um, Guy and Madeline on a park bench. That was like a really indie, that was before Whiplash. And so I just think, you know, Damien does a great job. I mean, La La Land's not, not an easy movie to make by any means at all. No, no, I mean, it the wasn't. Way he filmed a lot of those scenes on real backdrops, you know, and he had limited time to do them and he chose to do it um in like seamless takes like there wasn't a lot of cuts a lot of those were done in like one take and i just think it's pretty he deserves yeah. praise yeah we're gonna i don't want people to think i didn't like la la land because i did i walked out of it actually liking it more than my wife did um i, I was i really did too pl- actually i think I, I was pleasantly entertained the whole time. I was like, this is great. Like, if you're going to make me watch a musical, make me watch this musical. Because it was it was bright. It was easy to follow. It wasn't too preachy about anything. Or, like, it It just was really well done. Um, it was enjoyable. My, it was, but it didn't – I didn't walk out going, that movie changed my life. You know? Yeah. It, it wasn't like – that movie was so great. Everyone needs to see it immediately, which I think is like – as a as a viewer, we want those movies to be acclaimed, those movies that we love so much to be acclaimed at these settings, which is why I just can't get so excited for it as it wins all these awards, I guess. So, all right. 
Um, all right, let's get to the actresses, and we'll try and do this quick to keep everybody um, at a good pace here. So we got an actress in a leading role. I've only seen Emma Stone in La La Land. Um, I didn't you see know what? I, it's the I same see, <laughs> for me. I didn't see Loving or Elle or Meryl Streep. Oh, gosh. I, I saw that okay. movie. I you did. did not. Florence I did. Foster Jenkins. Uh, you did. Oh my gosh! Why? So you haven't you haven't seen La La Land, but you've seen <laughs> it's, Florence. It's a Foster funny story. Jenkins. It's a funny story. Why I ended up watching it. Oh, <laughs> it's got more interesting than there's I thought a, it would there's be. There's a dollar theater in uh, where I live, and so I I go to check out movies I may have missed in their the main release because I get them a few months later, and. I was I was kind of bored. I'm like, I'm gonna go see the new Tarzan movie, whatever. And, and, but then I walked into the theater and the Tarzan <laughs> was packed. So I was like, oh, let's just pick something else. So we walked into Florence Foster Jenkins. I had no idea what it was. And then I see the opening credits and it oh. says starring Meryl Streep. And I was like, shit. But <laughs> but I wa- many a man have made that I, same. I watched sound. it and um. It had Hugh Grant in it, and I'm actually a Hugh Grant fan, so that was okay. But Meryl Streep was annoying. She played the part well, but I didn't like her. But anyway, um, yeah, that's why I ended up seeing that movie. Huh. Well, that sucks. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. That's a that's a sad story. You went to go see a really shitty movie and then had to walk into a Meryl <laughs> Streep movie. So, yeah. yikes. Yeah. Um. If I had to guess who's going to win, I'm going to guess Natalie Portman wins because impersonating dead politicians, especially dead politician wives, probably is a is a soft spot for the Academy. Especially someone like Jackie Kennedy. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, that's a solid guess. I would say it's between Portman and Emma Stone. I think they would pick Emma Stone, um, you know, again, because I think La La Land is just touched every chord. It struck a chord with every single member of the Academy. And I just think, sure. why not? You know? Yeah. And that, again, that's the only one I've seen. Unfortunately, I wanted to see Jackie, but I have had no interest in seeing the other movies. So I just can't talk much about the actress. Um, unfortunately, the one scene I would give to Emma Stone that would justify the, the Academy for me was that when she does the audition, yeah, and she's I on agree. the phone and you really feel the power of that moment. And then she gets interrupted and then like humor and kind of how sad that whole thing is. Like I thought she did phenomenal that, that to me would like, okay, that scene was good enough to give it to her. So, yeah. I mean, she's an actress playing an actress who's acting and that's, right. I mean, there's levels to that, you know, so that's, <laughs> that's pretty difficult, you know, and, and, you know, I thought her singing was pretty solid. I didn't know she, she had the my voice. wife, dude, people hate the singing. I've, I've heard the same. And I was like, it's, pretty good i would almost i would rather have it be authentic and sound decent than a complete dub over of a person's voice adina menzel or something yeah i agree that's what i yeah (laughs) that was i have the exact same take as you on that because i was like i didn't think it was so bad but i was like she's trash she can't sing (laughs) i was like oh yeah and like gosling same thing i mean his voice isn't is probably even a little worse than it's a little shaky i I liked it yeah yeah i liked the uh like the authenticity of it i like that he was on screen doing it and that he they did the recordings for it i think it just makes it feel not as i don't know fantasized and yeah it definitely made it real it made it real yeah for sure okay um supporting role actress in a supporting role again the only one i saw was michelle williams in manchester by the sea 
I'm going to guess Viola Davis from Fences will win because that's what everyone seems to be saying. So uh, any guesses from you guys? Any picks? I, I don't know. In this I haven't category. seen any of these yeah. movies, and I don't really care about this award. So <laughs> <laughs> Taylor's not sexist. I promise well, you guys. Supporting actor. <laughs> he values women. Not, I promise. Do not unsubscribe to Jack and No <laughs> Trades because of this. Please. Please don't leave. <laughs> so I've only seen I saw I actually saw Lion two nights ago for Nicole Kidman really good mm. movie she did a great job um, I saw Manchester Michelle Williams did a great job haven't seen anything else but with I'm gonna go with so if I had to pick I'd probably pick Michelle Williams as a personal she uh-huh. was excellent um, but I think Viola Davis is gonna take it and I think it's unfair and I think and I'll tell you why <laughs> I heard this this isn't my original thought I listened to Bill Simmons podcast. He had on Wesley Morris, who writes for the New York Times. He's a film critic. And he brought up a good point. Why is Viola Davis in the supporting category? Yeah. She, there's no the other pod. actress. There's no other actress. Yeah, you, you listen to it? Yeah, I do. I, I'm a regular to Bill Simmons, so there's a yeah, plug for it's him. A good, it's a good point. It is, like, why, it's What true. is she doing showing up as a supporting when she is the only other actress, like main actress in that movie? And she has so much screen time. I th- I think they put her in the supporting just to guarantee her the Oscar, and that's why I think she's gonna win. Which is and it's it's sad. But. That's where the supporting to me is really murky because mm-hmm. if you're so good in a role, you're really a lead in my mind. Which doesn't make I guess doesn't make sense, but it's like if all eyes are on you every time you're on the screen and you're you're carrying the plot or whatever, you're a leading actor. Just because you're. I don't know. Like Heath Ledger, he was a leading actor in Batman. I'm sorry. He was, but he won the best supporting actor. I, I don't True. know. I, that's probably to be debated another time. Uh, it's just kind of, you're right. I agree 100%. If she's the only female in that movie, she's the only girl. She's the leading actress in the movie. End of story. That's how it should be. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Okay. So we'll move into the men now actor in a supporting role i'm i'm michael shannon that's my pick was he awesome i didn't see i haven't seen it yet oh he's awesome i i called it i think i i i thought he was going to be and i thought he should have been nominated so i hope he wins um who was lucas hedges in manchester was that the the kid yeah he's the nephew of casey affleck he was awesome he was he was really great um from what i've seen though i think i would take I I really like Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water. Oh, he, me too. He was he really was like someone else said this the cousin to uh um Tommy Lee Jones character in No yeah. Country for Old Men and it was yeah. like it was almost nostalgic watching him in that kind of a role again, you know. Yeah, kind of I taking loved it. in everything. I loved it. Um I haven't seen Nocturnal yet, so I I won't be mad with whoever wins this one, honestly. Yeah, there's actually some good contenders, and because I yeah. again I haven't seen Moonlight, but I've seen everything else that Bridges, Lucas Hedges, Dev Patel, and Lion. It's again I I saw him as the as the leading actor in that movie. It's it's weird that he's supporting. I get that like the whole first, I get maybe half of the movie. It's the little kid. It's it's the little kid that portrays Dev Patel's uh-huh. character um, as a younger kid. So, but I mean, Dev Patel, he carries the rest of the movie. So it's weird to see him as supporting, um, but he did a really good job. He won't win. I I think it's going to be between Bridges and Shannon that the Academy is going to pick Bridges because I mean, the guy's caliber, he's old school. He's been in the business a long time. 
um, Shannon, just because he's dope in Nocturnal Animals. <laughs> he's so he's so solid in that role. I would be completely happy if I saw Bridges or Shannon take it. All right, so that's one to look for. I'm I'm actually really curious to see what they end up with in that one. Yeah, it's a tough uh, category. So for me, this next category, actor in a leading role, this is the the most interesting um, slate we have for me of all the categories. Okay. Um, Your gut, who do you think wins for actor in a leading role? Casey Affleck. Tay? That's what my gut tells me. I was thinking the same thing, and I think Bill Moat predicted this a couple months ago, actually. Did On the last pod, I thought... I thought Casey was going to take it. Dude, I think you're you should be right. I think he deserves it and he should win it. Because yeah. he was so freaking good in that movie. I Here's, felt things uh, I hadn't felt before in my life watching him go through what he went through. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, he what what I also noticed it at least from what I remember, I think he's in every scene in that movie. And that's something to look for in, a, in an actor in a leading role. I mean, some of these, like even Ryan yeah. Gosling, he's not in every scene of La La Land. Um, you know, he is a leading actor in it. But like for someone to carry an entire movie with dialogue and facial expressions, I mean, Casey Affleck brings you into that film and makes you – he convinces you you're watching a real person. You're watching like a non-fictional story, you know, a snippet of someone's life. And I just think he – I think he's going to win, and I think he should win. I think that's the only one that I think I agree with the Academy on. I think personally he should win, and I think the Academy is going to actually go with him. So do you – but don't you think they might go with Denzel because he, he, yeah. of the similar reasons? Just because he owned the – I haven't seen it, but I know I haven't seen it. He is a, it's, the, a, it's it's a play adapted into a movie. Yeah, and, and to back that up, in the past at least – Actors that have won the SAG Award, he won the SAG Award for Best Actor, uh-huh. um, the Screen Actors Guild. And usually, and it's not always, but usually if they win that, then they're going to win the Oscar. So that's what okay. makes me nervous about that. And they, you know, I love Denzel, I, but I haven't seen Fences, and I it, I don't really want to for reasons that it's just going to be this generic and maybe it's not maybe it's a great movie and i don't know i just have no interest in in really watching it but um i really really hope casey affleck pulls through for the academy on this one from from an acting's chops i i think casey affleck's done everything he needs to do to win it um and Mm. it comes down to andrew garfield oh yeah as well if if he won i would be completely content with that as well he did an awesome job and we know Vigo Mortensen. I haven't seen Captain Fantastic. Um, Me neither. That could be, you know, I, that's not going to win with these other no. names up here for, you know, there's no way. But uh, I, I'll i be disappointed if it goes to anyone other than Casey Affleck or Denzel. That will be, to me, I'll be a little surprised. I think you know? that's really who it comes down to. Yeah. I don't think you have anything to worry about. Cause like, yeah, I, I agree. Garfield did great. And he he really was great, but it was really more the directing of that movie that made it so good for me. And Gosling and La La Land, like he's good, but he's not. He he shouldn't be lead actor either. I agree with the, all your points. Yeah. So, yeah, Repping. I mean, he Gosling definitely brought a lot of the authenticity to La La Land. I love he learned to play the piano. 
Which is awesome. Um, that's all authentic. Learn to dance, learn to do. I mean, I appreciate all that, and he did a great job. But yeah, there's just I don't see him even coming close to to winning over anyone else on this list. I mean, I haven't right. seen Vigo, but yeah. Well, we'll see. All right, guys. So the best picture this year goes to La La Land. La La Land. La La Land. I don't really. <laughs> I don't even think there's. I don't even think there's gonna be a debate, honestly. I and I don't. It's weird. Again, like you said, I don't want people thinking that we're just oh, La La Land. But it's no, like, I know. It is weird that like it's gotten this many nominations, and it's. I mean, I get not. It uh, is from the weird. Academy's it's weird. It's not that weird because they lo- they eat this stuff up. Anything that takes place in Hollywood and is about Hollywood dreams, and it's just like <laughs> I don't know. I just feel, like, and it's a musical. It's a throwback to the fifties musicals, and like they'll just eat that up with a spoon. And I think it'll, I think it's gonna win. They're gonna choose La La for Best Picture. So I'm, and I'm not gonna be upset. I'll be like, Sweet. I'm not either. I'm, Damien Chazelle, I I love the guy. I mean. I will see anything that guy puts out in theaters. And so you told I'll be happy me, for him. You told me way before this movie came out that you were stoked for this movie. Like yeah. way before anyone even knew about it. So Yeah, I I'd only before I even seen a trailer was released, I just I didn't care what it was gonna be about. I saw that it said musical <laughs> and I was like I'm Damn still it. down because <laughs> Damien Chazelle I mean, he blew me away with Whiplash and I yeah. think he continues to show with La La Land in a on a in a different way, I'm just convinced if he has complete creative control over his work, I don't think he's gonna make a bad movie. I mean, it's 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 hard to say that for someone who's only made like two real movies. Uh-huh. Um, he doesn't have much of a filmography to to look at and to work from, but he's so talented and he's so good at what he's been doing. I just uh, I'm looking forward to anything he's doing next. So. All right, hats off to his creative control. Let's let him make more good movies. I'm all for it. Yeah, but I do uh, wish Hell or High Water would take it. That would be my personal pick. That was my personal favorite awesome. film of last year. And I, I would love to see Arrival. I mean, I haven't said much about Arrival, but I should make it known that was easily one of the best movies of last year, and it deserves to be talked about and praised more than it has been, I think. So again, it's a good spread of movies. I mean, those top yeah, ten best great picture. Spread. It's a good spread. I mean, you you got some real diversity in here. Check it out. I, yeah, I like the group they put together, but it just feels kind of silly talking about it a little bit because it's just like you know, to use yeah. a big word that I haven't used before. It's, it's a little masturbatory for the academies <laughs> as far as picking La La Land because it's just basically telling them that they're awesome and that all the work and yeah. struggle they go through is worth it. Because that's what La La Land's yeah. point is. It's like it's worth it to go after these dreams, and that's where we're at. So, yeah, and yeah, it, it, it kind of like what you brought up. I like the diversity. I mean, Arrival. You got a sci-fi pick. You got a war film with Hacksaw. You yeah. kind of got like an interesting kind of maybe western with Hell or High Water. You got Definitely. a musical. You got a hardcore drama with Manchester. I mean, I do like the Moonlight diversity too. in the yeah. in the themes in the genre. Yeah, in the the genre picks, and so. I'm pretty happy with with that. Well, interesting Oscar season. It will. Guys, I think we've talked about some of the most movies I've ever talked about in an hour before. (laughs) So total number. It's a lot. Um, I I don't know. I'm excited, though. I'm glad we got to do this. Bilmo, 
thanks for coming on. How's your website going? I've read I read your article the other day. It's looking good, man. Oh, appreciate you got that. more stuff coming yeah, up. Yeah, thank you. Plug this. Yeah, my brother and I are still trying to. We're just trying to pump some more stuff out. Um, as far as because we're we're still trying to gauge, you know, what kind of article should we write, and we should yeah. we try not to limit ourselves to what we should put out. And so it's called in the mood for net. That's the the website. My brother and I just write articles on different topics, and I wrote a piece on Mel Gibson and his comeback from Bloodfather and Hacksaw. Uh, my brother has a good article. I think it was the last one he just put out about Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, We could probably do a pod talking about that one time. But he (laughs) he claims that Leo is good, not great. And he has some pretty good points that he brings in. So go check out the site if you're interested in anything like that. Definitely, dude. Hey, man. You put out good stuff. I can vouch for it. We got you on the pod for a reason. Guy knows his movies. So, Bill, we appreciate your expert takes. Everybody check it out in the film, in the mood for film.net. Tay, thanks for coming oh, on, my bud. My pleasure. You got some movies you oh, want to yeah, go I see? I got some homework to do. And uh, for that comment I made about the actress in supporting role, I love women. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they're great. I just, that's not why we watch the Oscars. That's all, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> wow you said something nice and then you just, ruined it with something like, mean I'd, yeah you, you i'd can't like to help apologize yourself. again for that comment uh, <laughs> i'm just gonna say i i think actors they're actors they're not actresses it's offensive they're actors and they're oh my gosh they're great oh man. yikes you don't know how to get out of a hole do you all right well everybody enjoy the oscars we'll see if our predictions were right hopefully we were Um, Everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time. We're out. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Peace.